0: Good morning. If you'll grab your Bibles with me and turn to Luke chapter number eight. Luke chapter number eight. Now, one of the things that I've shared with our church family, and a number of you are guests from out of town, we just want to say howdy and welcome. Man, we're glad that you're here. Uh, But at Oakland Heights, uh, as I share with our church family, we don't take any Sundays off. And uh, by that, not just that we don't meet, But uh, today, uh, I hope that God allows us to transmit something extremely important that will help be a benefit in your spiritual life. And if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, man, I pray today that the Holy Spirit will just touch you in such a way that you'll want to know more about Him. And if you'll turn to Luke chapter number 8, as this is the last time that we'll gather together as a church family on the year 20. 21, I want to talk to you about something that's extremely important. We forget as we kind of go along, but as we round the last Sunday in this year and head to the new year, not about resolutions, but I want to talk to you today about somewhat of a scouting report. Because often we just uh, kind of get in a habit, get in a rut, get in a routine, and uh, often we forget uh, some very important principles. About our Lord, our Savior, some things He said, but also about the one that we are fighting against. And so, with your Bibles today, I'm going to begin reading in verse number five. And uh, as we read along, we'll read seven or eight verses there. And here's what God's Word says Luke chapter number eight, uh, beginning in verse number five. Lord Jesus is telling a parable, and He says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along a path. It was trampled on, and the birds, they ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because, well, it, it had no moisture. Others, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, and it yielded a crop, not just any crop, but look at it, a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, well now, what, what does this parable mean? What, what is a parable, what was meant by it? And he said in verse number 10, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that through seeing they may not see, through hearing they may not understand. And this is the meaning, he said, of the parable. With well, a seed, it's the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. One of the big challenges of helping uh, and serving in any church capacity is helping individuals understand uh, and break away from some traditional thinking that somehow we have, I guess, accrued along the way that is completely unbiblical. And that is, as we've talked about so often, the people up here on the platform. Well, those are the people we hire and they actually do the work. And each Sunday we come along and we uh, come into what we call a time of worship, but really it's a time of performance. And those up on the platform are the performers, we are the observers out here in the pews and that's how so often people think. And they also think so often that the church, the church uh, is just a group of people that are gathered together together. And uh, in doing so, that uh, it, it's a pastor's church or a leadership's church, and we forget that the called people of God are, are, are really, as our New Testament describes, equippers. It is uh, the responsibility of a pastor, of a staff, of spiritual leadership in any church to help people understand. Uh, what their mission is and equipping them for that mission, encouraging them in that mission, uh, trying to lead the way in that mission. But it's important for us to understand that you and I have a task in front of us. In two weeks, we'll be introducing something that'll be new in our sanctuary. It'll be a a sign that will remain with us for the entire year of 2022. 2022. It's really just a a very small word, uh, but it's going to be big in our lives, and that is the word consistency. In the year 2022, our church is going to be focusing on consistency. And each month, we're going to take an element in our church, in our spiritual lives, and we're going to focus on being more consistent in that area. And as we prepare for those kind of days, and we are being equipped for the tasks that we're called to, to, I think it's significant today that we just take a few moments and spend some time in Luke chapter 8. So very important. So very compelling to the challenge that we have. Now I just want to show you something quickly, just as an overview. Beginning in verse number 5 and working down through these seven verses, uh, we could really describe there's four things that just shake out of these verses, four little S words uh, the first one is the word seed. We see immediately as Jesus begins to teach this parable, and by the way, aren't you thankful that he told us what that parable meant? Many times we don't have that interpretation, and so we've developed our own interpretations, but in this particular case, the Lord Jesus was asked about it, and he explained to us explicitly what this parable meant. And that first little S was the seed. And Jesus said, hey, that seed is the word of God. It is the message of the gospel, if you will. It's conveying the seed that we are so, it's so important that we take. That's that's our task as a church family, to to sow the seed of the Lord, to, to share the gospel, to convey the word of God to those that we come in contact with. And then we saw a second dimension, and that was a second little S word, the word sower. We found out very quickly that there are those that have the responsibility of sowing the seed. It might be a small group leader. It might be a deacon. It might be a pastor. It might be someone equipped as a saint to share the gospel with someone or to transmit a track in the gospel or whatever it is. But we know that as we live our Christian lives, there's a responsibility that falls on all of us. to to sow this seed. And so we had the seed and the sower, but there's a third S that becomes very important, and that is the soils. I mean, obviously a big part of this particular parable are the different soils, the hard ground, the receptive ground. And there's, there's a great message in just that component that at times how fertile the ground is and the environment around it often has a big impact on what happens to that seed as it's sown. And then there's a a fourth dimension, and that's what I want to spend just a couple of moments talking to you about today, and that is Satan's involvement or Satan's strategy. Now let you and I think for a moment. In this this parable, we kind of get a visual picture, don't we? Uh, someone's sowing the seed. They're, they're, they're strowing and sowing the seed and they're moving along and it's described for us, it falls on all different kinds of ground. We have that kind of visual. Then we get to right to the end of the parable and the Lord Jesus says, and then, and it's almost like we can see from the corner of our eye, here's someone sowing and here comes Satan. And as soon as the seed is sown, Satan enters the picture and tries to take all of the seed and pick it up and gather it so that none of the seed will fall on fertile ground. In fact, Jesus, again, again we say Jesus, as he was teaching this parable, gave us this apt description of Satan. Now, you know, that's a pretty tough task to gather up seed that has been Strown and thrown. But Jesus is there he is. Look at him. He's crept into the picture now. There's that faithful one sowing the seed, sharing the gospel, sharing the incredible word of God. Look at, him. just faithful to, to sow the seed. And here he comes. Look at him. The old devil himself, finding his way into the picture. Now we know our Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, And hearing through the what? The incredible communicating of what? Of God's Word. But you know, just as much as this passage tells us about Satan, we really have to look at our New Testament in completeness to know that there are a number of things here that Jesus did not mention that Satan also does. We know that it's one strategy that Satan uses, just as Jesus communicated, here's old Satan, and he goes in and he tries to gather up all the seed. But we also know that Satan is always constantly, the Bible says, roaming about, here and there, always up to his evil deeds. And we know that Satan has all kinds of strategies. One of those strategies is not to work so hard as just to pick up all that strong seed, but to take the seed from the hand of the one that is throwing it. And so for these next 18 minutes or so, I want us very carefully to think about, and I'll just toss them out to you to jot them down on something You can even use lipstick or mascara if that works better for you today. Four little concepts that I think as we enter into this new year are so very important that you and I be reminded of what Satan is up to. If we know our enemy and prepare for him, we might be so much more effective for the cause of Christ. And so with that in mind, With the devil at work and around us and constantly working, let's jot down four things that are very apparent that Satan is up to. Challenging us to sow that seed. Not only him gathering it up, but more importantly, if we're not careful, he will defeat the one that is throwing it and sowing it. Let's write down the first word. We know that biblically Satan is often all about intimidation. One of the things that Satan does is he intimidates. The devil will do all that he can to take the seed out of our hand so that no one sows it. You remember Jesus's words in John chapter 15? Jesus uttered these words. He said in John 15, beginning in verse 18, if the world world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, uh, it it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember, he said in verse 20, John 15, remember what I told you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. One of the things that we learn very quickly as we think about Luke chapter 8 As Jesus talks about this sowing and reaping the ground and the soils, all of a sudden he introduces this additional dimension of Satan himself and what Satan is up to. As we process that today, We've got to understand that one of the chief tools that Satan is going to use us, not just in 2022, but he'll use this the rest of our lives, is he will attempt to intimidate us. And we know that's so often orchestrated with the world around us. Charles Spurgeon so well, in such a great way, articulated this concept when he wrote, slander is seldom short of expression it cranks and it crackles evermore. Neither David nor our Lord or any of his saints were allowed to escape the attack of venomous tongues. And then Spurgeon went on to say this, this is the trice-told story that till the end of the time, it will be true. He that is born after the flesh will persecute that which is born after the spirit. What could possibly hinder you and I from fulfilling the task of sowing the seed as God has called us to sow, but that of Satan's intimidation. Intimidation of this world. Let me tell you something. You are entering and you are living and you are part of a culture that does not like you. In fact, many, many go beyond not liking you, they hate followers of Christ. And that's just something that we've got to be able to accept, that when we sow the seed that God's called us to seed, to, to sow, it is not going to be very popular in the culture in which we live. In fact, wouldn't you agree that, man, we live in what we call an intensified culture. You look around us and there is anti-God and anti-Christ, And those that bring about the seed of God's word and proclaim it with truth are labeled as ignorant, intolerant, and biased. Just about six weeks ago, someone cut out a little article. You know, we're so thankful here at our church. I have hundreds of research assistants. That's you. And someone had carefully clipped out, you could tell, uh, it was a scissor cut. Uh, a little article from the New York Times. I don't know about you, but I don't read the New York Times. The New York Times is supposed to be the most influential newspaper in all of America. At least that's what they think of themselves. And this individual in our church clipped this article out. It was by the editor David Samuels. And Samuels wrote this just less than seven weeks ago. He said, it is shared in an unspoken premise of the world in which most of us inhabit that absolutes do not exist and people, uh, and people that have claimed to have found them are crazy. Samuel says, you want to know what people think of Dr. Farrell over here when he's teaching these absolute truths in his class? That man's crazy. You know, you want to know what they think of Lee Brown when he teaches his class? That man's crazy. You want to know what they think about Michael Cook when he preaches? (laughs) That man's nuts. And so immediately we began to understand that we're on a mission, a tough mission. We're called to sow the seed. As we do, it is not going to be a popular message. These moral absolutes, the, conveying the kingdom principles of of God to those around us, as we stand and we proclaim, "Thou shalt not kill," "Thou shalt not commit adultery," "Thou shalt not steal," "Thou shalt honor thy father and mother." And if we dare to communicate those kind of biblical absolutes, understand, there's going to be pushback from a world around us. Jesus's own words were, "Hey." Just as they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And if you and I dare to take those kind of stands, understand we're going to be seen as bigoted, intolerant, narrow-minded. And many times, if we're not careful, the world will stop our hands and our hearts from sowing the seed as God has called us to sow it. You know, I, I was just thinking early this morning. I, I'm just being transparent with you. I, I really thought, hey, a few years I'll be able to retire and I'm going to miss a lot of the things that are coming down the pike. And now, as I look at our Supreme Court and the decisions that are coming down, I'm going to make a prophetic statement to you. And uh, be aware, I may be wrong. It's been a long time since I've been wrong, but uh, there, there could be that possibility that that would happen. But I just share with you this prophecy from your pastor. There's coming a day very soon that those that stand and proclaim the truth of God will be thrown in jail. And I know on this Christmas weekend, we're talking about America, the land of the home of the brave and the free. But I'm just telling you, that day is getting closer and closer. And it was as God was just asking in my heart early this morning, Michael Cook, what are you going to do when the Supreme Court does make that ruling? Are you going to stand and are you going to convey the truth of the Word of God, or are you going to be silenced and intimidated? I wonder what you church leaders are going to do when that unfolds, and some jurisdiction over you in government affairs says, hey, you can no longer convey those kind of truths. Now, you can bring a message of health and wealth. You can bring a message of encouragement. But to open up God's Word and tell people there's only one way, that day is over in America. I wonder what we are going to do. And man, I hope we'll be faithful and take a stand for our Lord, and that we'll not let the world take away the seed that we are about and called to throw, to plant. You know, the incredible, I think, over in verse 8 in Luke chapter 8, the incredible encouragement to me has been, hey, that seed that fell upon what? That fertile ground? Did you you get it? it? It wasn't like just a little crop came up but it was a hundred times over. And so it is knowing that that seed, as we're faithful to throw it, to sow it, that that seed, when it does fall on fertile ground, God is going to use it in a miraculous way. Well, intimidation. I just want to toss out a second thing, and that is observation. Now, I know as you're looking at me, you're saying like, well, now what in the world? Intimidation, I got that, Pastor. But what is this concept of, observation. I want you to turn in your Bible with me to a very fascinating place. Would you go to the book of Ecclesiastes, all the way over to Ecclesiastes, and scroll down in chapter 11 and look at verse number four. I want to read just a couple of verses to you. One of the challenges we see in our Bible that is emitted time after time, uh, we'll just start here in the book of Ecclesiastes, is this concept that when we're called to sow, Many times the thing that hinders us from doing that and fulfilling that mission is this picture of the observation that we have in our lives. Let me explain, but let's do it with God's word. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse four says, whoever watches the wind, there we are standing on our back patio, watching the wind. Here's the seed bag over here of the word of God and the gospel that we're, that we're supposed to be sowing. And so what do we do? Here we are, we're just observing. We're, we're watching the wind. And the writer of Ecclesiastes says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As do, listen to verse 5, Ecclesiastes 11, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Now listen to Ecclesiastes 11:6. Sow your seed in the morning. And in the evening, let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether it's this or that or whether both will do equally well. Incredible concepts here. I mean, big concepts. When it comes to sowing and the reaping process and us getting the seed out there, that, I mean, this is amazing. It's, it's amazing because we should never as sowers be intimidated by any of these environmental impacts. Well, it's a little too windy to throw the seed today. But there's also an important principle here of the sowing That goes beyond just environment it involves of us in our observation when it comes to throwing the seed and sowing the seed it's a it's a picture that is is the sower's looking at the seed and he says hmm you know what the more i look at those seeds look at that one that one is odd shape i'm i'm gonna put it over here in the trash can well look at that one that one's that one's, uh, that's only a half a seed and so I'm going to get that one out of the way. And, and, and the writer of Ecclesiastes says, you know, one thing that hinders people is they get so caught up in their environment and they, got, they get caught, caught up so much in observing the, the seed itself. That all of a sudden they start making their own suppositions about whether or not that one will grow or whether that one will be successful. And the writer of Ecclesiastes brings us back to an important spiritual truth. You just don't know. You don't know which one of those seeds that God is going to use just as that you can't even completely fathom how God does the work of the child in the womb, nor can you understand God's incredible work. And he brings us back to this truth that not only should we not be intimidated, but we've got to be careful that we don't get caught up in this observation. We do understand, don't we, that God's not called us to evaluate the quality of the seed. Notice back there in Luke chapter 8, God did not say anything about, hey, now before you sow it, you investigate and you, and you look carefully and examine your seed if any kernels are broken or any are smaller or, or, or any are more than a year old. Don't, don't sow those things. It's as if God says certain principles. Maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't sow a seed the day after Christmas about the attacks of Satan. Maybe no one will hear it, maybe not. But Michael Cook, at least that's what he's told me, you just sow the seed. I'll determine. I'll determine what kind of ground that falls on. What kind of work or crop will come forward? What harvest will be produced? God has not called us to evaluate the quality of the seed, but just to scatter it to sow it. It's not our business to evaluate who might or who might not consider receiving the message or the seed that's thrown. You know, I just made a notation here, excessive evaluation. Our culture is completely filled with excessive evaluation. I mean, can you imagine Christmas shopping as many of us did through the holidays? And how many stores now, how many of you encountered at least one store that said, would you fill out this what? Survey. I'm so tired of people trying to give me extra credit cards and wanting surveys. Our lives are filled with that, aren't they? everything about that. One of the things I'm so excited about, we conveyed that in your end-of-the-year giving letter about what's going to be happening in 2022, is in the next few months we're going to be starting a Spanish-speaking service here in our church. Dr. Castro and his leadership team is going to be starting that, and we're so excited about that. But you know, I find myself in that same posture. It happens so easy in our lives, He was talking about the target group we're going to be reaching and, you know, there's all different kinds of Spanish-speaking people and this and that. And, And all of a sudden, after hours of meetings and preparation over the last four or five months, I found myself thinking, hmm, I believe this will work and this won't. I believe we ought to do this and not that. When I really began to allow Ecclesiastes 11, these verses 4, 5, and 6 to simmer in my heart, God just once again said, hey, 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 what is your job? You sow the seed. You let me worry and let me do my work. When the seed is sown, I will be in the harvest. And so often, if we're not careful, we fall under attack by intimidation and observation. I just remind you, God did not call you and I to be an evaluator, God called us to be what? The proclaimers, the sowers. And it's as if God is saying, you sow the seed, take the stand to sow the seed and let me do the work. Quickly, a third word. Did you get it? intimidation, observation, And then, I I hate to mention this, the day after Christmas, but we must, disqualification. Another thing that can cost us from our opportunity to sow the seed is disqualification. You know, Paul had an interesting observation. Where was it? Over 2 Timothy, I believe, in chapter 2. He he made an interesting observation. He says, here's a man, he's striving. See, how did the King James describe? He's striving for the masteries. He's, he's in an athletic contest, if we will. He's trying to accomplish something. Yet it says, Paul says, he's not crowned. And then Paul finishes over there in 2 Timothy 2 by uttering these words. He's not crowned, except that he has been striving unlawfully. And that's all Paul says about it. He doesn't tell us if in the contest the man started too early. He doesn't tells us if, tell us if the man ran out of the lane and uh, ran too short a distance or, or if he ran off the surface of the, the court or the, the track or… doesn't, doesn't tell us if… Maybe this, this particular striving and this particular event, uh, he impeded the progress of another contestant. We're not told any of those things. Just a simple message. Paul says, you know, there are those sometimes that are competing, but they do not get the prize. They get it because, they don't get it because of their unlawful actions. And, you know, you and I have got to remember, as we're sowing the seed, it is a privilege. As a believer, it's a privilege to have that responsibility of sowing. But it's important that we protect that privilege in protecting the very testimony that we have. As we are sowing that seed, Satan loves nothing more than to come behind the sower and plant some additional seeds in the life of this world for those that see the seed and maybe even hear the seed as to talk about the sower themselves. Well, here's this gentleman talking about the gospel and we know about his life. And we are reminded on this Lord's Day that we have got to guard our hearts against disqualification. I brought my phone with me today because I wanted to read you the exact words. One of the opportunities that for some reason that God has given me is to just love on a pastor, um, well, a former pastor, that had a, a, a tragic situation occur in his life tragic because it cost him his church, his marriage, most of his family. Now looking in the latter years of his life, it's cost him his health. And so each and every week I communicate with him and just try to love on him. And in almost every one of those conversations, he somehow always swings back to his previous ministry how great the church was doing when he had this fall. And it's just, I mean, it's it's just a heartbreaking thing. But for whatever reason, God has called me to connect with him. And when I first connected with him, uh, he quickly told me the whole story. And it was a moral issue. And again, it was just a heartbreaking thing. And as he communicated it to me, he would always state uh, almost in, in the same pattern, you know, hey, it cost me my church, my wife, and my family, and my self-respect. But just two months ago, he sent me this text. I want to read it to you, word for word. He said, thank you for, over these last several years, loving on me and caring for me in the midst of this difficulty. He says, as I have spoken so often, my life has just been absolutely ruined. He said, you know that I have lost my wife, I've lost my ministry, I've lost whatever respect that I once had. And then he uttered these words and I've never heard him speak of these words before. He said, three weeks ago I was watching your service, hearing you communicate with the Word of God, and God revealed to me in my heart maybe the greatest loss of all. It seems that I have also lost my bag of seeds. And Pastor Mike, that may be the greatest loss of all. And I just want to encourage you today, we've got to guard our hearts against the intimidation that this world will hurl at us. And we've got to be careful, so very careful, of being too synced to observation and our personal estimation of whether the seed will be productive or not productive. That's not for us to decide. We're the sowers, that's our responsibility. But we've also gotta be careful of disqualification. We only get one shot, the testimony. It's so very important. One final thing, just jot it down. And that is, we gotta be careful of germination germination. Yes, that's right, germination. You know, wasn't it Paul that had those incredible words when he uttered, he said, you know what, let us not be what, weary. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we're going to what? We're going to reap. If we faint, not. One of the challenges that we have often as we sow is I guess Satan tries to plan in our mind that, hey, in the next morning, everything's going to be sprouted and growing, and you're going to be able to see all of the fruit that you can ever imagine. And nothing could be further from the truth. Why do people not sow the seed as God has called us to? Often because we're not able to see immediate fruit from it, and we get discouraged and we think, well, it's not making a difference. Just a moment ago, I was just sitting there wrestling with Maggie and Britton in between the Pez candy dispenser and out into our baptistry came a young man, David Miller. I'm so proud of him. Proud of what God's been doing in his life. And you know, there's... A Moments in, in my life that I think you, you you know what I I just um you know this whole ministry thing's not worth it. There's moments in my life that I come to those places and say you know. Lord, last week we had an $8,000 offering. That's one-third of what we need to operate this church. And you know what, Lord? You know, we're working as hard as we can. We're sowing the seed the best that we can. And, and, and you know what, Lord? I'm just frustrated and I'm tired. And you know what? Uh, the attendance was, it stunk this morning. And, 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 and you know what, Lord? I, people are stiff-necked. They don't want to even come to church. You're trying to convince people to do something that many of them just don't care anything about. And why have you called me to this? I can make more money in insurance. Can make more money in the investment market. Selling stocks or bonds or something. And I don't know how God works in your life, but so often the way God works in my life is he sends another project. And then he almost always fills me with the gratitude of seeing some sign of investment that I've made along the way to say, hey, maybe, just maybe, God, I made some difference in sowing your seed. It's a junior high small group, girl small group leader It says, I call these nine girls every Sunday, and only three of them come. Those other six, they never come, and it's frustrating. And you know what? I've been to their games, and I've emailed, and I've texted, and I've followed them, and I've done this, and Lord, I'm sowing the seed every week, and nothing's happening. It's a small group leader that prepares so diligently every week and they're watching with the virus and the China virus and the culture that we live in and they look out there each and every Sunday and the group dwindles and gets smaller and smaller and they say, you know what Lord, I'm putting all my heart into this. And as we're sowing, if we're not careful, Satan is saying, hey, what are you doing? Do you not see nothing is happening? There's no fruit. There's no crop. Nor will there ever be. And I'm so thankful that on the edge of my spiritual screen, as our Lord was teaching this incredible parable, Lord comes to the very end of this whole scenario and he says, Look, look. Here he comes. You see him. See him for what he is. There he is, gathering, mully grubbing the seed up. He's so fearful that the seed that you're sowing might fall upon fertile ground, bring about a hundred times over the crop. And the Lord continues to remind us you keep sowing. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you for these moments that we've had in your word. I thank you for those that are making such incredible investments. Financially, spiritually with their hearts and their hands, those that are laboring and they're just tossing that seed. Here goes one to the jail ministry week after week up those steps, through the screening center, showing proof of vaccination over and over each and every Sunday morning, same jail, many times same inmates, just sowing the seed. Or a group of faithful saints that gathers out here around on a Thursday morning where there are those that have physical needs knowing that there'll be a, a whole line of cars that come and say, I don't have money for my electric bill or I've had this calamity in my life. And Father, trying to convey that, hey, we're gonna help you with the physical, but your need today is such more massive than Swepco or a water bill. The need in your life today is the seed that we are tempting to sow the Lord Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of God. I thank you for the small group leaders, week after week. There they are, just sowing the seed, faithful. Father, I thank you for a deacon body just sowing the seed. I thank you for a group of pastors and staff and leaders that week after week, there they are, reaching into that bag and sowing the seed. Father, I thank you for a group that will travel across the world to Malawi or to Brazil or a group that will will head over to the Highway 80 Rescue Mission or a group that will, people that will sit at a basketball game and, and share the Lord Jesus Christ right there in the bleachers or some students in five minutes or less in between a time of class exchange that will be able to convey the gospel Father, as we are called to sow the seed, as we enter this new year, I pray that you will use us as we sow it, that, Father, we'll be more trusting, have a higher level of faithfulness, that, Father, we're of what our task is and what you've called us to do. Sow the seed. So, Father, as we have the privilege to do so. Would you guard our hearts against the intimidation of this world? Would you guard our hearts of encroaching upon our will and our way in our evaluation of what might work and what might not? Father, would you put a hedge of protection around us as we look each and every time we reach into that bag for that seed and understand That, Father, as we plant it, we may not even see the fruit, but that, Father, we'll continue to be faithful even when we see no fruit. We'll be faithful to your mission and your word. Father, we love you. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're just gonna have a time of prayer this morning, have a time of uh, searching our hearts, Would you just bow your heads right where you are this morning? I just wanna lead us in a time of prayer. And I'm gonna give you the opportunity to just pray for a number of different subjects and topics. I would like to voice them for us. And then with your heads bowed, I'm gonna ask that you just pray as the Lord leads you about these important subjects. Can we start first and foremost as we go into the year 2022? Let's take a moment and pray for our churches across this world. Take this time and pray for the local church. As you continue to pray this morning, let's take a moment and pray for the marriages in our nation, in our world. A husband, a wife, let's pray for the strength of biblical marriages in this world. Would you take a moment and pray for marriages? Would you this morning take a moment to pray for our nation? We all seem to have something critical to say from time to time about it, the dangers, the dark days. But what we really need to be doing is saturating our leadership and our nation, praying for our nation, praying for our leaders. So would you, on the last Sunday of this year, as we get ready to cross over into 2022, Pray for your nation, pray for America. And finally today, I'm gonna ask that you just pray that God would lead you to your next spiritual steps in your life. God does not desire you to be complacent, comfortable. He didn't call you to a life of being comfortable, but to a life of growth and challenge. And you being willing today to ask the Lord, oh Holy Spirit, Would you empower me as I approach a new year? What is the next step for me spiritually, Lord? Would you be brave enough and have enough courage today to ask God Himself for His direction and the next step in your life so that 2022 may be one of the greatest years spiritually? Not only would it be a great benefit to the church family, But we'll see great spiritual growth in your life when you're willing to say, oh God, stretch me. What is it that you will desire from me this year? Pray that prayer right now. Pray that God's work in you would be its greatest ever. Lord, we just want to thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the birth of our Savior. We know at that very moment when our Lord and Savior entered planet Earth, Father, we know that Satan hurled everything he could at our Lord and Savior. Whether it be temptation, whether it be challenge and affliction, sickness and death, Father, time and time again, we we have seen that Satan could not stand the power and the incredible force of the God of this universe. So Father, we thank you for the victory that our Savior has over the evil one. Victory over death, victory over all nature, the miracles, and victory in the spiritual world of the everlasting. And Father, we thank you that as we come to know the Lord Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we are the very adopted sons and daughters of the King. All that is His becomes ours. So Father, as we go from this place today, we go as sowers, we go as faithful ones putting our hand over and over into that bag, sowing that seed, trusting you. Father, we pray for a great harvest. But Father, in the event that we don't see something physically, we will not give up because we know in due time there will be the harvest as you see fit. We trust you. Your little victories in our life have brought us to this point where we now trust you in a great way, in great capacity. And Father, again, thank you for being our Lord. Thank you in this season, as we celebrate the coming of your Savior, that you sent him for us. Emmanuel, our God with us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a fantastic day.